This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into this week's proceedings. Coming off of the spring game, spring football is in the books, and we'll talk about it. We've also got some transfer portal talk slash unsavory bust rate talk to talk about. We'll do it here on this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes. Hit that follow button. Get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz whenever they drop. I actually joined uh, Chip Brown on the flagship podcast this week to immediately break down the spring game, so you can go check that out. But get every episode of the Blitz, and we thank you so very much for your continued support of Longhorn Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I was doing great until you and I started talking about bust rates before the show. <laughs> now I'm just a little bit <clears throat> aggravated. I just got that itch underneath my shirt that I got to scratch because I'm aggravated and twitchy now. So bring back Thank you for combo. that, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. You're more than welcome. Uh, a man who can, he can talk bust rates, he can talk whatever, uh, because he's a renaissance man. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate it. Rod, do you, like, money as always. you like the fact that uh, Longhorn Network coverage, it's slowly, gradually turning. Like DBU is <clears> taking <throat> over LHN. They're taking yeah, over the program. Like Kenny Vaccaro, Vaccaro, Michael Griffin's Griffin, on the broadcast. Yeah. You see Michael Huff, who apparently yeah. Huff is still not a big fan of sleeves at this point oh, in no. his well, tenure on the 40. guy guns like Huff, you know. 
I you love it. He's, like he's going to take Why on the moniker you? he learned from Mad Dog. Yeah. But DBU is taking over, Rod. Uh, yeah. Oh, and DBU's got a lot of talent in it. You've slowly but surely just been infiltrating all avenues of the – so whether it's Sark's infrastructure this. or the uh, sports industrial complex, as you like to say, or even in-house media, mm-hmm. DBU is everywhere. I agree. I agree with this. Very expansive, very talented group. I like that. Proud of that, no doubt. Whenever, uh, whenever Coach Akina <laughs> – retires from coaching and i don't know he might not ever retire from coaching say, yeah he's some kind of figurehead position on the 40 uh that'd be nice no, no we got you got blake gideon over there now blake gideon you oh know. i forget i forget sark's freaking coaching staff <laughs> yeah blake gideon you know like so Blake gideon understands what it's all about he gets it um so no i'm with, I'm with you though I, I didn't really anything about that but you're right dbu seems to be everywhere now you know if you if you were thinking about it back then you should have done you like one of those DBU like death row records portraits where it's like Coach Akina in the middle and then like you and Nathan Vasher and like <laughs> Quentin Jammer. It, yeah, that'd be pretty damn sick. Yeah, yeah, we, we might be able to make that happen. You can do it now because you could just uh, yeah, it's easy. We make that happen. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, something that well, we didn't make it happen. We just were there to watch it and observe and talk about it. And by the way, shout out to all the folks on Twitter, uh, that group that hosted the Twitter Spaces. Uh, late last week that I jumped in and was a part of. I was just listening to some Longhorn football conversation, and some folks found out that I was in there, and they're like, hey, why don't you jump on? I'm always willing to chop it up. So thank you all so much for allowing me into the Twitter space uh, and to chop it up. But I did let everybody know we got a lot of compliments on this podcast. So, again, thank you for your support. But I also mentioned, hey, if you're going to be at the spring game on Saturday, uh, Rod B will be down on Bevo Boulevard, So and Rod's a man of the people. So, Rod, if you had a few extra people coming to chop it up with you. I did uh, have some I fine di- folks. I directed them that way. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fine folks come out and say hi. I really appreciate it. That's part of the job. So, uh, and I, I do, Rod is a man of the people. Trust yeah. me. If he's out and about at a remote, uh, he will chop it up with you. No fun. question. Um, so, Matt managed to watch the spring game. Matt, you were telling me this. Oh, you got the YouTube copy. Yes, sir. Rod, you went back and watch the LHM broadcast or did watched, you stick around? I nah, well I watched I stuck around for some of it but it was like just mostly like the early part of it then I got the and I got home. Yeah. Okay. And then watched whatever I could watch at LHM. <laughs> I've not gone back to watch the TV copy <laughs> I yet. Had to, uh, I had to I had to then I had to actually call people who I trusted who are behind the burn orange curtain to get other reports. Yeah, because it yeah, very fragmented. <laughs> I noticed at one point, I'm like, Quinn Ewers is running the first team offense, and there's a Walter Cronkite commercial playing on LHN right now. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that was a, that was a bit unreliable. Uh, if I had known that, then I'd have just stayed the entire time. But it's all right. All right. It was a it was a dang coaching mistake, but one you didn't know you were making. Well, it's not no, it's not totally LHN's fault because Sark ran the scrimmage or open practice, whatever the hell you want to call it. And he did not run it as a traditional game. I, I don't know why, but I, you guys have been reporting this all, all week long. But I, I don't think LHN got the memo that it <laughs> wasn't going to be format. a traditional game. So they were expecting, I think, stoppages. Or maybe. And, yeah, maybe. So, and I think they should have talked to somebody you know, with the football department. This was also discussed uh, in the media group, in the media scrum afterwards. <laughs> maybe they were told what to do, and that was the end product. Well, I, I'm not, I, I know some of those fine folks, and I would hate for that to be the case. Because if that's the case, then all, all is lost. It's all, <laughs> it's all out on the table, Rod. It's all case, out on the then, table. Yeah, LHN's a lost cause. I'm going to believe that they 
Oh, it's going to be more of a traditional game. There'll be stoppages. He'll have a period for this, and then he'll stop. And a period for this, he'll stop. Which, as we know, if you've ever been to a practice, that's not how practice works. Practice is one period after another. And yeah. Sark, and it, he's been there forever, he runs his practice very up-tempo. Like, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. really high pace. So they almost you almost have to format it like a soccer match. If you're in there, you know what I mean? You're like yeah. a format where it's like, exactly. all right, uh, before, instead of doing that damn talk before the, the in the pregame, you should have just thrown in commercials in the pregame. Live reads. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, no, no I mean, you got to do you know, it that product way. Product placement in that month, whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I mean? And then have a kind of a break where you're like, all right, you know, we got to screw the fans a little bit. We got to throw in. We got to throw in a big break here and throw in a big break in the middle there. But I think you would have got one because he did stop in the middle. If you would have done it like the transition between like like when they're running like simulated punt team, yes. go to oh. commercial. Boom. That that's where you I need. I remember that. I was like, oh, please go to commercial. But that's where like a high IQ you know, the player interviews would have listen, I love the interviews, but, you know, lesson, let's be honest. Those Longhorn fans, they love Matthew McConaughey. We all love him. Minnesota of culture. Shout out. Love you. All right. From Longhorn Blitz. But most Longhorn fans would have took a pass. On the Matthew McConaughey interview, and be like, no, 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 just show me the football. They took a pass on all their interviews, pretty much, and be like, no, 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 let's just show them the football. So I think there was some mistakes made in the formatting, and I don't, you know, I just, I, I'd hope that they just thought it was going to be a game, and they just didn't account for the stoppages, and they'll learn their lesson because Sark just ran. Sark didn't give a damn. He just yeah. ran it. That and- was like that was somewhere <laughs> between like an open, like the relaxed nature of an open practice. And what you would see if you were behind the curtain for like a closed scrimmage. Yeah, it was, it was somewhere. It was somewhere in between. Yeah, and so we so. sort of talked about how Sark, you know, wasn't going to go and just waste a day of pads no. and practice, yeah, and right. was going to run it the way he ran it, as if there's no TV and TV. Y'all figure out figure how to telecast out. this. But once you get to that point where if you had, and they actually did have Mike and have uh, Wit up there in the booth. But they aren't necessarily on the field able to pay attention because, like, if you're a player and you could understand, or like, okay, right now's the time you could take a break because, like, a former player could maybe be the mediator yeah, to tell you true. you can fit something in here. They, but they yeah. were just thinking now oh, there's going to be a media timeout after the quarter and after the three, they and that's already, not going to happen. It's great, but they already had their timeouts formatted. Like, yeah. we're going to take them here, here, and here, and it's like, no, no, you basically should have ran that with a. I mean, I know they have a live director there, but mm. they should have a live director waiting on the spot to almost say, all right, I have this many breaks I have to get in, yeah. and I'm going to run them whenever I see Because those directors are used to a normal TV type yeah. thing when there is an actual yeah. built-in three-minute for TV break. Yeah, so it's not, I don't think it's – I'm not going to say it's totally different. I don't really know what happened. I, you know. <laughs> it just comes with the territory was, of look, a spring game. fans were upset, and I got home too, and I was like, and thank God my wife just just recorded every damn thing. She just recorded all of it, so I did get to piecemeal a lot of it together. Uh, but yeah, it was it was not a success. No, <laughs> so um, I was trying to find one somebody at twenty four seven sports. Somebody on our staff kind of looked at it, and Texas was one of those schools that we talked about this last week they were kind of just following the trend of a lot of coaches ditching the traditional spring game format mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, depth yep. has never been worse because it traditionally is in the spring, but then you throw the portal in and depth at various positions is going to be bad. But two, get back to Matt's point just a second ago, like we talked about last week, if I'm Sark, I'm, I don't have that many times during the year in the offseason period where I can do – Full to the ground con- tackling contact practices. Yeah. I can't waste this one. Yeah, he didn't. 
He didn't no. waste it. <laughs> and like we, said, he ran it just like it was mm-hmm. in practice. I was like, we talked about, like, if you, <laughs> if, as a fan, if you're going to the spring game, you could have gotten a lot more out of Saturday. Oh, I totally agree. Depending on if you had your head right for it than a traditional game. And I heard some people were still upset. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know what you're upset about because you could, everybody that went there should have been able to take something from it. And I think what I took from it, Rod, the biggest thing was, I've tried to like, I like quantifying things. Tom Herman hated when I asked him questions trying to quantify things, but I like quantifying things. I like to look at a number and see, okay, I can visualize it and see it. I'd say probably it was like for me, 80% confirmation, 20% revelation in the spring game on Saturday based on what little I'd gotten to see this spring, what our sources had told us, everything our staff had reported, what kind of weed shopped it up and talked about in terms of just reading the tea leaves. 80% confirmation, 20% revelation. Where were you on that, that scale? Um, I didn't learn anything new. I would just say that. Like, I didn't learn anything new. It's not a bad thing, by the way, because uh, some things we thought were going to be impressive, some things, you know, we thought the wide receiving group at the top, right, the upper echelon of the wide receiving group would be really, really impressive across the board, especially with the addition of Isaiah, Isaiah Nayor. And it was, especially mm-hmm. with the healthy Jay Witt, it was. So, uh, there is a drop-off there, but – I think right now everybody's optimistic that that group's going to stay healthy and you're bringing in a transfer portal addition, which we'll talk about a little bit later. The running backs. The running backs, of course, are the most talented group on the team. I mean, even without B. John Robinson, they still look impressive. Hell, you got to find some way to get Jonathan mm-hmm. Brooks involved. Yeah. <laughs> right? Keelan Robinson Keelan scored Robinson. a TD that didn't yeah. even count. It's, I'm saying, like, it's, it, it, it's just really, really deep. And to the point, I mean, it's, I think, you know, you are going to see more two tailback sets just because that's a position group that you just got to find a way to kind of force feed the football to your most talented group. And we know Sark likes to do that. Uh, we, the, the, the offensive line, I didn't want to judge them on anything. I mean, they were, you know, a little inconsistent. I saw some improvement, but also I saw some things that, you know, that's expected from a group that doesn't really have a lot of manpower, period. I mean, they only got nine scholarship guys out there. Uh, Defensive front, defensive ends, I still saw, you know, them reach the edge. (laughs) <laughs> at times, I mean, they yeah, they sometimes they were they solidified the edge, but at times Texas was able to get to the edge, but Texas has good running backs, so maybe that was part of it too. Uh, the safeties, mm, still some tackling issues for the safeties, I would say, um, mm-hmm. and the corners still like to play, they like to go down and play press coverage without bump and run. They just like to run. So there's still <laughs> some things. I mean, that's just so I didn't really learn anything new, and that's yeah. not like I said, not a bad thing. Uh, because I think this team offensively is going to be really, really impressive, regardless of the offensive line. Elite, yeah, yeah. You're talking they've, about they've got elite potential. Yeah, I, I'm. That was my biggest takeaway mm. from Saturday. Yeah, but we knew looking, that. But just, but yeah, but no, Rod, like did, we knew that X Man, top five receiver, Bijan Robinson, top five running back. We knew the running back core was deep. Rojo can go right. start, and like half the schools out there, you added Isaiah Nayor. We knew that was going to be a new addition. Jay Witt, when Jay Witt plays, what did I say? His ceiling may be higher than, than X Man's. We knew that, and you you upgraded that quarterback too. But I and think you yeah. upgraded that tight end too. So we we we've been saying they were a top twenty offense last year, right? Didn't but just to new. just to see it though, like to see Isaiah Nayor, I didn't okay. see him in scrimmage situations until okay. Saturday. Yeah, but I, just I mean, see, like it wasn't like I said, it wasn't that I had this revelation. Oh my God, they're going to be elite. It's just okay. I see these pieces in place now. It just kind of confirms everything we've been talking about. Yeah, and with like the Nayer thing, I I liked out of the very first. Uh, it was it wasn't the first pass, but it was in the first drive. And seeing him, because I mean, all you do is think deep threat, deep threat. 
but he runs a really quick route and makes a guy miss, and you just see that he's maybe a well-rounded receiver in little details like that. And like you said, with Jatavian Sanders and Billingsley having tight ends, that at least actually seeing them out there as if, okay, they are working within the offense was good. And, like, you already have proven products and guys like Roshan, but the, at least the new names, all the things that you expected or hoped they would be on the field – they went out and actually performed around what you thought they would, which is good to see. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I didn't learn anything new. No? I, this is stuff we've already talked about. We discussed. Yeah, like you knew yours had I a huge that, arm. Yeah, yeah. But seeing that throw, you know, that throw I, made me feel like I was seeing a highlight of a CBS broadcast of an Alabama 2019 play. Because you have that play action, and then he just cranks one deep, and it looks like you have one of those Bama receivers running for a touchdown. Like, I like seeing that yeah. verticality and those things. Like, those no type of plays. You had a couple flashes of X-Men this past year, but having Nayor in the first, like, three drives, or Nayor, I keep mispronouncing his name, Nayor, like a horse I don't know. I mean, I've heard Nayor, and I've heard Nayor. So. Nayor, I believe, is what I found on the Wyoming uh, mm. website, where it's like a horse name, Nayor. Mm. Okay. But but it's fun to see at least that deep ball. No, I agree. The deep ball is it's still inconsistent because, and I would say Hudson Carr threw a beautiful deep ball to X Man that mm-hmm. he actually dropped right over the outside shoulder. I I I do think they want to take more shots downfield. That's pretty obvious. Um, and they do want to implement more RPOs. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. And I think last year Sark was reluctant to implement more RPOs. He didn't trust the quarterbacks throwing off platform. Didn't really, didn't really trust those guys because he probably didn't trust that they were familiar with the system yet either. Now you got familiarity with the system, or at least from Hudson Card's perspective. Uh, but you do have a higher level talent uh, with quicker hands, someone who can make all those off-platform throws, those second reaction throws with the RPO game in Quinn Ewers. And we saw a little bit of that in, in, in the exhibition, open practice, scrimmage, whatever you want to call it. The ability, the, the I want to get to some things that, I want to say it was kind of revelations, but things that kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, get to that in a second. But stick up with quarterbacks real quick. He, with this, it was kind of for Hudson Card to me. It was an extension of last year, where when it's a quick throw, it's a three step drop, it's an RPO. Like when he knows in his mind where he's going with the football, that split second after the snap, yeah, it looks clean and it looks good. To something you brought up last year, Rod, and we talked about this, it was going to be the big deciding factor in the quarterback battle. When this offense is on schedule and things are on time, and Hudson Card can operate it and potentially do it at a really high level. Yep. But with your offensive line situation, how often are you going to be on schedule? How often are things going to be on time? And for Quinn Ewers, in a different way, we talk about when, when you talk about quarterbacks, the ability to extend the play. Mm-hmm. You think about a guy that has dual threat ability, even maybe a step above functional mobility. Say, okay, with his feet, he can extend the play. No, Quinn Ewers can extend the play with his eyes and his arm talent, the ability to make those off-platform throws, to change arm slots, to change velocity, to be able to throw it from different angles, fit it in different windows. So Quinn Ewers, with his eyes and with his arm, he can extend the he can extend the play. Yeah, different than what a quarterback can do it with his feet. So different than the way Casey Thompson could. I just think watching Quinn and, and seeing it like in a scrimmage situation for the first time, it's pretty. I I haven't changed my tune on quarterback. At some point, his natural talent is going to win him this job. It's just a matter of with a gunslinger. We saw a little bit of that gunslinger on Saturday. 
that ball to Anthony Cook that he probably shouldn't have forced, but he's got the kind of arm where he's going to force a throw and try to rifle it into a window, mm. or maybe he shouldn't. And y- a lot of young quarterbacks tend to do that. Yeah. Can Sark stomach those bad plays knowing what the upside is? Uh, I, well, he's going to have to. Uh, and I think yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably. Yeah, otherwise, he's not going to be here very long. You always go with the upside. That's yeah. why, I mean, and uh, unless, unless there is a Grand Canyon size gap in the competition and who won the competition. And that's what happened with a Colt McCoy and a Jevin Sneed. But otherwise, Mac Brown always went with a higher ceiling quarterback. Sided with Chris Sims over Major Applewhite. Sided with Vince Young over Chance Mock. The only reason I go back to that because history usually is usually the best predictor of future events. And in a similar situation, Mac Tauscher, you go with the higher upside. You you roll the dice on the higher upside because the higher upside, if you believe in yourself and what you're building around it, then that is how you get, yeah. become a championship caliber team, offense, whatever you're talking about. If you go with the safer pick. All right, safe money don't make money. Uh, that's always going to limit your football team, and Sark doesn't want to be limited. And right now, we know how Sark's got to win, right? That defense, say what you want, that defense is going to struggle a little next year. That's just the reality of it, mm-hmm. all right? I'm sorry. It's going to struggle a little bit. It, just considering how bad they were last year, if, they, if they're average next year, that would be, to me, a huge step forward just to be average. I don't even think they're going to be average. I think they'll be a little bit below average, but they won't be as bad as they were last year. They're making too many significant changes. Uh, and they brought in Gary Patterson. But we know the you know, the special teams, as you watch, they're going to struggle a little bit just because it's unproven commodities. They're young, new kicker, new punter, new deep snapper. So those two phases are going to struggle a little bit. Your offense, top 20 last year, it's even better this year. So now everybody's thinking top 10. You're going to have to win games that way. And you got to have a quarterback with a really, really high ceiling that can make some throws that that other quarterbacks can't make. So other defenses, yeah. right? Other defenses have to defend every dimension mm. of the football field. That is going to raise the overall level of your offense. Because unfortunately, with Hudson Card, say what you want, there there are ways to defend him effectively. Mm-hmm. With Quinn Ewers, there are ways to defend him. Yeah. But you don't know what those those are just yet. Right. It's going to take you a while to come up with them. And we know he's going to be tougher to defend because he's got arm talent that makes you defend every width and length of a football field. Hudson Carr just does, hasn't reached that level yet, and I don't know if he will. Yeah, I'll yeah. borrow another term from you, Rod, rate of development. When mm-hmm. we get to camp, if these guys continue on their current rate of development, Hudson Carr is going to improve, but how much better is Quinn Ewers going to be running those summer seven-on-seven sessions, digging into the offense more. Again, if he, on his current rate of development, if he stays on this track, at some point he's going to pass Hudson Card. Yeah, that was, that's why I said it's if Hudson Card wins, he just can't win by a little. He's got to – it can't be like last year with Casey Thompson. Got to be no doubt. Really close. He's got to win by every – almost almost by a unanimous vote in the locker room or at least majority vote in the locker room and by the coaches – and Sark saying, damn, you know what? I, it's undeniable. Yeah, He's so much better than Quinn Ewers that this is not even a contest. The players would revolt on me. Mm-hmm. It would be like a Colt McCoy start. step that he would have to take yeah. almost. Like the way and that we haven't – we we didn't see that. And I don't know if we're going to see that in just one-offs. No. No, and to, I mean, just from what we saw this past yeah. weekend watching Ewers, because you knew what type of arm he had, and you saw on a couple of his first few passes if he missed – 
He missed where you wanted him to, but he missed deep, and you didn't. I mm. you couldn't tell. Is he doing that on purpose? Is he just overthrowing the guy? But then I thought it was really telling. It was an incompletion, and it was just like a twelve yard in that he throws, and it was the first time that every other pass had missed deep. This one, the defender was shading inside. And you see Ewers throws, and he throws to the back shoulder to the outside, and he's throwing it away from the defender. And it seemed as if, oh, well, maybe he isn't missing deep on all these. He's missing to where their defender isn't. And that's sort of a sign of throwing a guy open. And it was one where if maybe anticipated, oh, I feel this DB on my inside shoulder. This ball's coming a little bit on my back hip. If he anticipates that, he catch and spin. There's nobody there, and he could go. So it's one where when I watched it, I looked, and I was like, oh, I think he might actually be missing to the shoulder where the defender isn't, and that's like advanced placement of a football on a play. So we'll see how that develops. Tell me if I'm trying to simplify this too much when we talk about quarterback battles, and we'll move on to talk something else after I make this point, unless you guys have something else you want to add. If we think about all the quarterback battles that we've seen in the last 20 years, right, Rod starting with your time on campus, Chris Sims and Major Applewhite. We're talking about Sims over Major, Vince Young over Chance Mock. Uh, I'll skip Colt McCoy and Jevin Sneed. We'll get back to that in a second. Uh, but, you know, David Ash over Case McCoy, Shane Bouchelle over Tyrone Swoops, Sam Ellinger over Shane Bouchelle. The Colt McCoy over Jevin Sneed is the one exception of when you go with the more talented guy with the higher upside, with the perceived higher upside, chances are you're going to pick the right guy. Well, you just you 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 lift the overall ceiling of the team, right? That, that's yeah. that's the whole point. You don't li- if you go with someone who is who is who is limited. It doesn't have the huge <clears throat> you know physical upside and all those physical measurables and gifts, right? That some things you just cannot teach to a quarterback. Um, and you do have the, we know, the intangibles, right? The it quality, the competitiveness, all that kind of stuff, the leadership. When you mix those two things, then that's when you got you got magic, right? You mm-hmm. got, that's when you can have something truly special. With the Colt exception, right? Colt, I think, ended up improving so drastically physically in like one or two offseason. Remember Colt's arm got stronger? Yeah, we all said seven to eight. His velocity, we were like, oh, the ball's coming out. Faster, he's coming out. I mean, this guy's wrong. Guy, he's quick. He he's, has foot quickness. Well, and has, yeah, we watched him run away from a, from Aggie defenders, and our, his accuracy became like his X Man ability. That was mm-hmm. one thing that, that that stood out. So he he improved so drastically that I think I do think he was one of the outliers, and we know now he's one of the greatest players in the history of college football too. Yeah, in mm-hmm. retrospect. So yeah, you tip, give him the skill yeah. set of a guy like yours, and you're talking about a yeah. Mahomes type guy. Like, exactly, that's, goes, that's what you you're exploding. Or you know, Vy. That's what and VY. you're explaining yeah. why it's just a high risk, high reward with that higher upside guy that you can just untap tap into a ceiling that most players cannot even hope to attain. Yeah, I mean, even with Sam, still the same thing. So basically, I, it sounds like the three, none of the three of us, and I don't think a lot of people listen to this podcast. I don't think any of us learned anything new about the quarterback battle. No. For me, it's kind of following the trajectory that I was assuming it was on and just confirmed it. Which is good. I think it's good. I want to talk about some things that maybe I, I learned or that were kind of revelations or just things that took me by surprise on Saturday. And one, this is a me problem, right? This isn't a long-run blitz issue. This is a Jeff Howe problem. This is a me problem. Um, I really took for granted and have taken for granted uh. Just Roshan Johnson, just the, I don't know if it's the 
the competitiveness, the, the dog, whatever it unknown variable you want to label him. Yeah. But oh, no, he's Chip and I were talking about in the press box. We're like, Chip said something about, oh, man, the defense is having tackle issues. I was like, you know, for a young guy like Terrence Brooks or somebody that was trying to arm tackle Rojo, I was like, you got to understand with that guy, if he's in full pads, he doesn't know what half speed is. If he's in full pads with the ball in his hand, you better bring it when you try to bring him down. Otherwise, he's running through your ass. Yeah. No, he's a great <laughs> – you know, he's a great mix of – Apologize phys- for the language. For no, but I'm with you, though, man. He runs like he's mad at the grass. Yes. He's one of those guys. <laughs> no, he, I, I'm, nobody really wants to say he knows how to get low at the right time, get skinny at the right time. To be a guy that came in as a quarterback, it's, it's right now it seems like – Right now, a, almost a bad evaluation <laughs> to have him coming in as a quarterback. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm, and I'm sure maybe they, you know, thought of because we know we talked about Tom Herman and you're talking about repurposing, right? It's so maybe that was the term of bringing him in that we could always repurpose him. But oh man, it's, it's he's such a he's like a natural runner, just a natural running back, and he's he is the leader on the team. Yeah, and then the physicality, he plays like a linebacker, like he's literally like. The furthest thing you would think of a guy that if you're saying, oh, yeah, well, no, he's coming in as a quarterback. He's like, not very few quarterbacks have the skill set to run like that and take that type of physicality. He, he's, uh, think about the Wildcat, right? Because I, um, uh, and I, he tweet, runs like Fozzie. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Remember, in Fozzie, had the, we had the Wild, they had the Wildcat with Fozzie. The Wildcat, and, and this is something that Sark said, mm, man, he said it maybe after the, after the open practice scrimmage, whatever. He said that we need to be able to run the ball. When everybody knows we're going to run the ball, like that's yeah. the key to my offense. That, that's what he makes said it, it again on Saturday. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, all right. I mean, <laughs> everybody would ideally. That's what everybody wants, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I understand what he was saying because then it, it it makes the defense have to defend everything. If they if they can't defend the run, then there's no way they're going to defend the play action pass and the RPO and all the different elements and concepts that are built around that. Um, but the Wildcat is one of the only times last year where Texas could run the ball when everybody in the stadium knew they were going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. They averaged, this is crazy, man, they averaged over eight yards per rush with Rojo and the Wildcat last year. That's awesome. Just nasty. And if you take away the 72-yarder that they had versus Rice, which was the longest Wildcat play of the year, they still average over five yards per rush in the Wildcat. That's what you want. It was the only time last year where everybody knew you were going to run the ball and you could still run it. But it was mostly because of him. Yeah. It well, wasn't really because of the O-line. But especially against K-State because you, you didn't have Bijan. Yeah. You had, you had Jordan Whittington who at that point was a shell of what he was earlier in the year coming off the injury. Yeah. You, you, and and there, was, there was no element of – the vertical pass in that game because of Casey Thompson's injury. I mean, it's like I said, we can call it the Wildcat. No, they you're direct snapping it to the tailback and he's running. There is no deception. No, they tried to throw it once, thing. but he had one that one pass attempt to that game. We tried to throw it and he ends up scrambling because nobody yeah. was open. There was no element of deception. <laughs> it's like you, you to your point, right? You know what's coming. Everybody knew what was coming, and nobody really could stop that play. You just honestly, you didn't run it enough. You probably should have run it maybe mm-hmm. you know ten more times, ten fifteen more times during the year. But I think they found it. They, they, I don't. I think he stumbled upon it. He was like, it was creativity. Um, he was just like, hey man, let me try to. Because remember, he did a direct snap to Kate Brewer. I was went back watching film yeah. not too long ago. Remember that direct snap to Kate Brewer? Very creative. And I'm like, all right, come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sark. Yeah, a little over the top. <laughs> I mean, let's keep it to Rojo now. Yeah. Keep it to Rojo. Uh, but no, he did some. <laughs> it was it was out of necessity because coming off the West Virginia game, yeah, when it was they were it was a short week and. 
he knew Hudson Card was out, and he's like, look, if we get to a game and Casey Thompson can't grip a football, the Wildcat might be your base offense. It was at that point. Yeah, no, that's that how a, it was back in like yeah. with, with Fozzie back in 2010 or whatever. Whenever everything was falling apart, and you had to just go to the Fozzie. and it was, and then at that point, like I think if I remember that right, that week Wednesday was when they decided, no, Casey's thumb is good; he can go. Well, because of the short week, you had already had two days of basically installing the Wildcat as your base offense, and Sark was like, well, we spent all this practice; I don't want to waste it. Yeah. Spent all this time using it. No, I'm not going to waste it. It's highly, it, it was highly effective. And you started thinking about it with Rojo, you know, with the transfer portal rule changing. I mean, this is a guy that could go start at, I don't know, probably 30% of, of FBS schools. If he, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. just ballpark. A lot of places. Yeah. A lot of places I think Rojo could end up getting being the starting running back there. I really do. I think he's that good. Uh, and he's, you know, me. He's the guy that wants. He's here to play for Texas. He didn't. He didn't come here to be at Texas. He's the for Texas guy. He's going to start the trend of those running backs wanting to share the load. It's because he stays and yeah. be like, oh no, he. It's going to be a three headed monster, and that's why Stark keeps recruiting all these damn running backs. But I think they'll end up also building a culture of no, no, no. We share the load. We're we're the best running back room in the country, and we'll be for the next four or five years. Well, and yeah. I'm glad you brought up the three-headed monster because one thing I did learn more so in the spring game was Keelan Robinson can do more than just you know catch a ball pitch to him. He actually ran a route and caught a ball out of the backfield. I think it was from Hudson Card, but it was a play action to Keelan. He goes up the middle and then just runs a little five out, catches the ball nice, gets upfield. I don't know, it was like a 10-yard gain or whatever. Okay. But you didn't see him run anything like that last no, year when right. he was in there. So that was the one thing that was like, well, if you add that to it, multi-layer, at least you can just run the same type of plays possibly that you run with Bijan whenever a guy like Keelan's in there. And then going to the other side of the ball, the other thing that kind of opened my eyes a little bit, and I know you look at the secondary rod more critically than the rest of us because that's the position you played. So just naturally, like when I – like when you watch when you watch game film when you watch film do you watch like the secondary on back like do your eyes go there first? Mm, well, it depends. I don't know what I'm looking okay. for. Like for me, naturally, it's just like, and I don't know, coming up in football, that's the way I was trained to watch video is you watch O line D line. So like, I go to the line of scrimmage first, and then like branch out from there. Like I you don't, are so I don't sense. follow the ball. I yeah. follow the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it's, got their way. Everybody's got their way. But with the secondary, like, I, I can see it. I can see, like, the position moves. I can see everything. Look, The changes they made, everything makes sense to me. Anthony Cook to safety. I like that battle right now with Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson. That is a good company. And, you know, Jade Barron, I think, is really good at that star position. Yeah. And now, you know Cook can play corner. He can play nickel. He can play safety. Crawford's trained at corner and safety. Thompson knows safety and nickel. Barron knows nickel and corner. So you manufactured a lot of depth. The moves make sense. And then, honestly, the guy that, like, maybe of everybody that I was like, huh, I maybe heard a little bit about him, I thought Jameer Johnson made some plays on the ball that I wasn't expecting him to make. So, and I'm not saying that he's going to go get anybody's job, but just to see a young guy that's a little bit aggressive that at least seems to understand how to play the ball in the air, it's a nice change of pace from what we've seen the last few years. Um, I agree with you about the Jaron Thompson uh, <clears throat> uh, the, uh, competition where I was Keaton Crawford. I do like that. And I, I guess he started, right? Jaron Thompson yeah. did. Had a really good last half of spring ball from yeah. everything we Must heard. have because the, the word on the street was that Keaton Crawford was getting a lot of those first-team reps. So that's good between those guys. Uh, I do 
honestly, I like the move of Keaton, Keaton Crawford and Anthony Cook at safety just because I like safeties that can cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jaron Thompson, my problem with Jaron Thompson is last year he was one of your leaders in missed tackles. He missed a ton of tackles. That's something he's got to improve up. But he went out there and made a hell of a play on Jatavion Sanders when he stripped the football from him yeah. on the goal line. That was a that was a great instinctual football play. So I, I've always been a Jaron Thompson fan. I'm hoping he takes that leap this year uh, because it's, the only thing really that you could criticize about him was the fact, and it's a big thing, um, that he missed a lot of tackles. And you're the last line of defense, can't miss a lot of tackles. Uh, hell and the Rojo run, there were plenty of missed tackles. Plenty of on those there. too, right? Yeah, uh, and Keaton Crawford, I think, came up in on Marcus Washington. You know, late kind of laid a thump on him, but didn't wrap mm-hmm. up. That's something I'm worried about with the safeties a little bit too. I Deshaun Jameson, I'm a little disappointed in Deshaun Jameson. I wanted him to be able, I, the fact that he wasn't inside leverage on that RPO on the goal line with X Man. You know, it's just because he bailed out. Things. He bailed out. So if he's bailing with outside leverage on the outside shoulder, I'm assuming that he thinks he's got inside help from Jaron Thompson, who bit down on the RPO fake, came down into the box. My problem with that is if you're going to bail out, that's fine. I totally understand bailing out. Bail, the whole point of bailing is so I can see, I can triangulate, right? The quarterback, the receiver, you know what I mean, and potentially a number two or whatever, but I can see it all, all right, yeah. all through my periphery. And they threw a glance route, which is essentially a skinny post off the RPO. Beautiful throw by Quinn Ewers, ended up being a touchdown. I'm going to need Deshaun Jameson to be on that upfield show. Is he going to bail? No point of bailing is I got leverage. I, I'm already bailed out. I'm ahead of you. You mm-hmm. gotta, you're running to me, mm-hmm. right? I've already, I already got the upfield shoulder. And when he glances, he should be on the upfield shoulder, not the backfield shoulder, not trailing him. He ended up trailing him. 180 degrees. Yeah, on the wrong you have side. to understand that you're, if, and I said, maybe he thought he had a help defender inside. And I said, I don't know the coverage. I'd have to, yeah, that's Sean Jameson. But still, no excuse for not being on the upfield shoulder when you're bailing out like that. And you can see the quarterback. So he sees the RPO action. He's, he's looking at Quinn Ewers, mm-hmm. who is pulling the RPO out and about to throw it. So he knows he's about to throw it. So once, he's, once you see he's about to throw it, where should your eyes snatch back to? Receiver. Yeah. Immediately. Now, if you're, now if you're Nathan Vasher, <laughs> you know, you just, Dre Bly, you just yeah. do what you want to do. But I would coach, you need to go back to that receiver immediately now. You know he's going to throw it, yeah. but you're not really sure about where the receiver is going to be. Now, the chances are he's already given you a bit of a stem, so you should be able to read that body language and see he's going inside, especially when you look at where's all the space. All the space is inside. That would be a film so, stuff that yeah, would just so help you Yeah, so to me, that would be, that'd be, you know, that'd be kind of my critique of, like, man, you need to, you're vet, you're, you're vet vet now. You yeah. should be upfield shoulder should be religion. Football IQ stuff should be more standard. Upfield shoulder than should that, be religion for that's you. That's a simple mistake. Especially when you're bailing out. Yeah, to have a simple mistake like that be made. That's well, sort of something. Well, the we were zone. talking last week about the film aspect and Jamison being a guy that it doesn't seem to be really deep into film, and those are the type of mistakes that you can quickly see if you're watching on film. But unless you're studying yourself and where you're making those mistakes. You sort of make the same mistakes over and over. The eyes, man, the eyes. Um, to your point about Jaron Thompson, Rod, I just want to pull this data from PFF. Uh, last year he was yeah, second on the team. Um, well, hold on. Second on the team among all defensive backs and stops. Oh, that's good. Which constitutes a failure for that's the offense. I was going to say missed tackles. Good. That's good. But, but he was. No, the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, size Cardi B size butt. 
He led all Longhorn defenders in percentage of missed tackles. Ah. It was like 24.6. Uh, 20, yeah, 25.8, 35 tackles. Yeah. 20, 35 total tackles, 16 missed tackles. It tracks. Man. He, he just, I mean, he's there. But he, you could, this is why it, it's almost as a coach, you're – it's a good news, bad news. Right? Yep. It's just like the spring game. It's, all, it's always good. Are you a glass half full, glass half empty kind it's of person? It's almost more frustrating that's how for you're the gonna coach. See, yeah, that's how you're going to see the spring game. Basically, the spring game is a Rorschach test. You'll see what the hell you pretty much want to see. But with Jaron Thompson is, he's there. Yeah. And that was a frustrating thing watching film. He is right there to make those plays. Honestly, you know who else was like that? Um, oh, man. I'm, I'm so, now my CTE's kicking in. Safety from last Jeez, year. Uh, no, yes, I'm sorry. I, I mean, it's true. I, I apologize, but I'm sorry. Uh, it's true. Uh, oh, it's morbid on Longhorn Blitz. <laughs> what do you mean? What, what do you, yes, have you guys read the stats? Yes. Yeah, but, it's like 95% of, of NFL players no, play. Right. Well, what do you come on? Memory loss. Come on. You got, you're on. I'm just it's, like, it's like going number one in the shower. Like, just don't tell me you do it. Just, <laughs> let, me, just let me assume or something. Or, just be out of sight, out of mind. Point is, uh, you know, forget it. Uh, he was there. Mike said that backs up on the film. And I think the coaches, and maybe during practice, they're starting to see that in the spring. That no, no, he's starting to make those plays. And maybe that was just him being a young player. He, he was a sophomore. Was a sophomore? What was he last? Sophomore. Year? Yeah, I mean, I, after I after a COVID year. After where a he COVID played. year. So maybe that was just him being a young player. His instincts. And it had him there, but now the film study, maturity, experience will put him over the top and make those plays. The, I don't doubt that. Now the perfect, the perfect Jaron Thompson, Thompson example is. The fourth and one on Caleb Williams in the OU game. He's right there. If, oh. he, if he makes the play oh. and you stone them right there, oh, you get the different. ball. You get the ball in plus territory. You probably you probably blow OU out. I know. So that's what I'm saying. It really is. It's a good chance because the momentum switches right there. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the play. Yeah. I think that's the biggest he, play. And, he, and you can go back Spencer and watch the film. Like, he's, still be a sooner. Yeah, he's, no, he's, he's, he's right, right there. there. He is. I, that, that's a great that's a great play to bring up. Great well, example. And I mean, that's where, like great you example. said, the frustration that comes with the territory for that. It's like, hey, man. You did everything right, but you were still wrong. If Jared, if Jared Thompson, and it's so frustrating is. that you did everything right, you know, and then you were no, still no, wrong by the end. You know who else is like that? Just frustrating. Like, schoolers like was like that sometimes mm-hmm. late in the year. Oh, he last spring last game year, was the same thing. He'd be right there to make some plays, and wouldn't and you'd be like, "You're right there. You're right there. You you did everything right except make the play at the end." And you know, some guys, you know, they make that play. If you, even if you're not gonna make it, be right, be. If you're not going to make the play, don't allow them to make the play. Yeah, <laughs> You ain't got to make the play, but don't let them make the play. Sometimes it go through schoolers' hands and go to the other guy to get the first down. He was right there for the uh, in the Kansas game, Kansas too. I mean, Could have ended it. Yeah, like I'm saying, like he uh, – I, yeah. I had a flashback to last spring game because I think it was like the opening drive TV and schoolers in the hole and then Bijan. Yeah, I mean, you're going to miss the open field to Bijan, but I you were right there and then whoop it, it's in there, touchdown. Yeah. And I remember, I think I texted you, I was like, well – Schooler, same schooler. Yeah. If Jaron Thompson, if Jaron Thompson was a baseball player, he would be what you call a true outcome player in baseball. It's gonna be a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. He ain't <laughs> he ain't he ain't, line, he ain't lining singles that's into true. the gap. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's, actually, that's I want a guy that's gonna go out there and just be dependable. Your everyday I'm, Joey Gallo. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, that's what I want him to be more of. More of that boring player that just makes the play. You want Tony Gwynn. You want Tony Gwynn at safety. You damn right. Consistency, baby. <laughs> Consistency. I'm with you. Yeah, especially last line of defense. Nope. Just be. Can you make a tackle in the open field? Honestly, I'll take that over the boomer bus guy. That's I what will. Colt McCoy was. You know, at Texas, I mean, you never had to worry about a mistake. Colt McCoy as a quarterback was that type of production. Yep. You know, now if you could get that on the backside of your defense, you'd never have to worry about. 
giving up the explosive, the big touchdown. That's like all, that's, that's winning half was. the battle. That's what Blake Gideon was. Oh yeah, one hundred percent making plays right now. But well, and then he co- was, then he couple him with the Earl Thomas, and then you have a, a playmaking duo with the guy that's that true. also is a safeguard. Yeah, they basically yeah you, they they balance each other out. Yeah, you get the the, the real dependable guy couple. with the risk taker. Yeah, you're right. They balance each other out. It's like that's Nathan how... Bastrant, Ahmad Brooks were like that in our secondary. Yeah, they were great together. Yeah. The old Clark Polamalu. Yeah. So that's kind of some of the stuff that where were you where are you just real quick, sticking on secondary for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh anything here good, bad, or different on Jameer Johnson, Rod? Because I thought he showed something. Yeah, I like that he, he came back because they got him like got they they beat him because he was the guy I think that was beat on the Yes, on the Isaiah Nair touchdown. Yeah, and yes. then he came back later and made a couple of plays on the ball, mm-hmm. which I like. That that's big. And even Sark Sark mentioned in the post game that he's watching stuff like that, watching how guys. I want to see somebody. You know, you're gonna get beat in the game. You're gonna make a mistake, guys. Hey, he's on scholarship too, as Mac Brown would say. How do you come back? Are you are you still thinking about that? Is that something that you know haunts you later on in the game? Or are you a guy that responds to adversity well and goes back and make a play? I did like that about him that he made a play. I like that Terrence Brooks. I like his footwork. He seems like naturally that he can play press. He did have a yeah. couple times where he just he he's patient, stays in front of a guy. Um, I I'm really looking forward to Ryan Watts getting his hands on guys. He likes he wants to play press. He's enthusiastic about it too. They want to play press. You know what I liked about Ryan Watts' spring game? The thing I like I like I like this about corners and le- and offensive tackles. And if I don't hear your name, you're doing your job. Yeah, they yeah they had one deep one where he's he pretty much I think he turned around too early looking for the football instead of securing. You know the uh, the the hip, the inside hip of the receiver. But other than that, I I liked what I saw from him. I thought he looked good. If you're hearing a corner's name or or an offensive tackle's name, it's either really really good or really really bad. There ain't no in between. If you're hearing their name a lot, no, you're right about that. No, the secondary is upgraded from last year. I I do. I think across. Here's what I feel like with the secondary. I mentioned this on on Light the Tower on Tuesday. I feel like because of like Schooler and Foster and some of the guy even like a Tyler Owens. Mm I feel like this last year's group was probably more athletic. If you just lined them up like in off-season drills or looked at them on paper, how they look on a depth chart, that group probably on paper is physically and athletically more gifted than this group. Okay. I think this group, the football IQ is improved by getting those guys in certain spots. And I think at the end of the day, you just got better football players in this group than you had in last year's group. Uh, I I know you have better football players just because you have guys that can play more positions, right? You got positionless football all over that secondary now. Anthony Cooks played damn near every position, corner, nickel, and now safety. Keaton Crawford switching from corner to safety. Your boy Mo Blackwell, I like he comes with the he, he brings the thunder out there now. I'm telling you, I think Man, he's I think now. he's the Jalen Petrie of Man, this program. I hope um, if he's a Jalen Petrie starter kid, I'm on board. I'm buying stock, but I liked what I saw from him though. I he's really a penny do. stocker right now. Rob, but I buy it up. I'm in. I'm already. I'm buying it. Chuns of it. I like what I saw. Um, but you got a lot. They got a lot of Jade Barron. They got a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. You just got more guys, which means the football IQ will be higher too. If you can teach guys more than one position, the football IQ, which is what Sark said was the biggest improvement, and I hope that is the case, uh, that improves in the secondary as well. So I, I'm with you. And I think those guys can cover better. I think you got better coverage guys all across the board, just overall, not specifically at one position. Here, my goal for the secondary is get to a point where, like, your corners are going to get beat. Guys are going to miss tackles. It, it's, mm-hmm. it happens in football. Can, but can you more often than not just look like you know what you're doing? I know that's not asking much, 
But there were times last year around the secondary where like we, I don't even like what are they trying to do right yeah. now? Just look competent. Competent and confident. Yeah. That can go you, you a long way. You know what you're doing, you'll be you'll be confident. I'm with you on that. Uh, and that 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 also and I I know why it looked like they didn't know what they're doing. I've watched this team enough to know that communication was not great. No. And communication, in my opinion, is a direct result or product of football IQ. If you're a smart football player, you're 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 constantly talking because you want to. You, you know, I mean, you really. It's like the guy in class or the girl in class who knows the answer. It's like, oh, I got the answer. It's like, damn, she got the answer again. Shut up. She always got the answer because they did their homework. They read. All right, they did. You know, what I mean, they understood the assignment. And when you got a lot of guys out there that that football IQ is high, they're constantly talking to each other. Oh man, we got trips. We got bunch yep. over here. All right, all right. Watch the crack back. Watch the crack back. Crack back. All right. You know what? Let's go tango, tango, tango. Let's go tango, tango. Let's do it. Because it's like I know everything. I got. I got to express yeah. it. I got to get it all out because I I need everybody to know what I'm seeing. And we're all seeing the same thing. And so that's why it looked like they didn't know what to do because there was no communication out there. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. why guys were out of position. It's like, oh no, no, man, let's get on levels. They on levels. They go on levels. They on bunch. All right, all right, you go up, you up, you bump, you bump. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Like you got to talk to each other so everybody yeah. knows what everybody's doing. Right? Especially you know I mean? with the more conceptual yeah. way that football's played yeah. now, even more so. When like, you see something, you see the screen. Watch the screen. I see yeah. the screen, dude. Watch the screen. Watch the screen. Like if you see it, say it. O line mm. plays the same way. Like you <laughs> can tell, you can tell if a guy is really on his knuckles. Like you could tell if he's coming, or you could tell based on how. Guys might have their split staggered. Like you could tell, hey, hey, watch the twist, watch the twist, or what, you know, whatever. And then tell you, tell your boy, yeah. don't leave him out. If you see something, you like in the secondary, tell, tell your friend, he's your friend. Don't leave him out on the limb like that. You're like you know? TSA, see something, say something. <laughs> yeah, and it's not enough of that. <laughs> it's in like the airport so or I whatever. That's why football IQ increases. So with the communication, you'll see guys it. out there talking because they know what the hell they're talking about, and they're con- they're the confident girl or guy in class saying, "Oh, I got the answer." I got it. When you're spreading yeah, that, I mean, it's just like with the modern uh, information era, the more information's better, and you need that on the field in real yeah. time. That day. I mean, if you're seeing it, not only are you articulating what you're seeing, but you're communicating with your teammates to be able to grasp in play a concept, and you actually maybe didn't see that, or it triggers something, or makes you at least realize, okay, in my trust in my teammate He's doing what I feel he's going to do because yep. he's saying that he's seeing the thing that I'm seeing. Yeah. So it just those trust issues that young teams, you can't have trust until you form some type of relationship. It takes time to build that, and you can't just yeah. have it spawn off of nothing. It takes time, and Texas hasn't had – and that's sort of like when we talked about continuity at the program, like not only with the players but with the coaches and with the scheme mm-hmm. and how many schisms there's been, and when you add in – coaching changes and portal changes and then just how the immediacy of new players coming in and getting playing time as a freshman, it just made it to where it's just so much more fragmented and can be. But if you can get that type of chemistry, it's going to be more unique across college football compared to the other schools. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll go to line of scrimmage. That's where we'll end this week's show. Trust me, we've got a whole offseason to talk about spring ball, spring game, and, and get into more big picture stuff. Uh, to me – <laughs> well, we got to get there. Uh, That'll be next week. Real quick, offensive line depth. Uh, it is what it is at this point. I think with that first five, there are enough cheat codes, fail safes, whatever you want to label them in this offense, where you can scheme around that offensive line to an extent. And I think that that first five group, I think they can be competent. Not saying they can be great, 
I'm saying you can put a passable offensive line on the field with those five. But the reason why I think if you're Kyle Flood, you're telling DJ Campbell and Nato Amezulu and Kelvin Banks, maybe one or two other guys in that freshman class, and why once the portal activity wraps up, once we get through this May 1st portal deadline, if there's a, if there's a transfer available, they'll go beyond him. Like, you know what, on crap, they'll like stink on crap. I don't know why I just said that the way I did, but whatever. I was thinking about some other analogy. But anyway. Like stink on crap, they will be on him. More crap on. But yeah, but they will. <laughs> we all we all get one during this show, and I just have we my did. one. Uh, Rod talking about CTE, and I'm just <laughs> flubbing analogies. Uh, <laughs> but they'll that the reason why they'll be on a, our transfer lineman in the portal, guys. We saw with that number two group, man. If this first five has an injury, especially an injury to Jake Majors, and you got to do something else in center, yeah. Boy, you're in a world of hurt real freaking quick. No, you've talked about it, man. And I hope you I hope you are not foreshadowing something, but I I think they do need to have an insurance policy behind Jake Majors. Just because it's anything could happen on the O-line, but hell man, injuries happen all the time. You get one injury there. Cause even if he's not at you know hundred percent with him being undersized the way he is, not saying he doesn't have the skill to make up for it, but if he's got an injury to his hand or something like that, man, that could be severely debilitating to your offense. I mean, look what happened to the hand last year, right? The thumb. Casey Thompson. Mm-hmm. I mean, go back to 18. Yeah. Go back to 18. Oh. Zach Shackelford gets hurt. Yeah. But the combination of Elijah Rodriguez and Derek Kerstetter, that saves your bacon right there yeah. for Tom Herman. Yeah, it did. It's a great point. That yeah, got yeah. you through that stretch until. Yeah. Shaq you, got back. And I don't know who they do need someone. I don't know who the most versatile offensive lineman is, but they need to find who that guy is. Because Kerstetter was that guy. I don't think they have that guy right <laughs> now, Rob. Yeah. I don't think they have that guy. Do they have anybody that can play tackle and guard off on both sides? They trust Not that the way Kerstetter could, no. Yeah. Do play center too, not at a, not that the, at a, that the, not at a really high level, but that the, well, that the that the ceiling that the ceiling varies based on position, but the floor is kind of the same regardless of position. If that yeah. makes any sense, it would be awesome to see. Those would be the type of guys you could maybe get in a portal. One of those tweeners, like he isn't great, but to be your sixth O lineman that can be, he isn't good enough to be a tackle, but can play a little guard, play a little tackle. Like maybe that's where you can manufacture that depth. Because like you're saying, get that one Swiss Army knife player and you can manufacture depth because you only need six guys and he backs everybody up and now you have a two deep in theory. Yeah. I think Kyle Flo's gonna play young a lot of young guys. I it think just so too. pretty obvious even in the spring game that, you know, they're willing to play young guys. Yeah. I think that's I think you're gonna get yeah, you may even get two starters from. The I think game. he's already told a lot of those guys, "Hey, you need to get here in June. Forget using your four games in red shirt. Yeah. You need to get here in June, thinking you're going to play and yeah. maybe start." Because I think the uh, the idea would be the offensive skill talent is elite enough, and I do mean elite because you got a top five receiver and a top five running back, and you got depth at those positions too. It's elite enough where you can carry. Uh, the offense with the mistakes and the growing pains of a young offensive line until about midseason, and they won't be freshmen anymore. By then, there'll be tons of reps, and those guys will play well. We saw mm-hmm. what happened with the Aggies on their young guys on their offensive line. You know, by the time the end of the season comes around, um, those young offensive linemen, they start playing better football. Yeah. Um, some of the ones who are prodigies in right. Texas in this class is bringing in prodigies. We're talking about five stars, elite. To your point about AM, think about how we viewed AM's offensive line at this time last year and early in the season and how you view their offensive line now. It went from, oh man, they're starting a couple of true freshmen. I don't know. And now it's like, man, they're bringing back two freshmen All American. They got guys that got a season's worth of experience in the SEC. 
Yeah. Think about how good they're going to be. Yeah. Just you all a matter of perspective. And You've been dealing with growing pains at off- on the offensive line for how long now? What are we going on? Close to 14 <laughs> years or yeah. whatever it is? To hell with it, man. You know, I'll de- deal with growing pains for one more half season with these guys and just throw the freshman. I feel there. like this staff rod is really – you're seeing a lot of signs of it. Man, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yep. Amen <laughs> to that, brother. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't have time to get into edge guys or interior D-line, but I will from this standpoint. This will be where we pick up next week. Myron Warren is the first post-spring casualty on the roster in terms of guys going into the transfer portal. Hmm. Myron Warren, I don't think he's a bad player, but you look at that interior D-line group, Rod, at best he's your seventh guy. Coburn, Sweat, Ojimo, Collins, Broughton, Murphy. Yeah, at best he's your seventh guy. And then a young young cat like Aaron Bryant who flashed a little bit. Yeah. Jeray Bledsoe. Yeah, you're deep in Uh, the interior D-line. Yeah, man. You're deep. If It's probably Myron Warren. The writing was on the wall saying, look, if I'm going to play, I got to go do it somewhere else. I agree. We're worried about the edges still, but the interior D-line should be pretty stable. But that brings up the 2019 class, and this is why, again, I appreciate Roshan Johnson for propping up this class as much as it can be propped up because Matt and I were talking about this with Myron Warren, who, by the way, factors into our bus rate. Uh, Redshirted in in 19, didn't play at all in 20, and played three games last year. I don't even know if he earned and played enough to earn a letter last year. Mm. So, Matt... If we figure Myron Warren into the bus rate. When did, it, he, when did he play against like Rice and stuff like that? I got to go back and yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. it's probably against um, and, and if we're fi- figuring Jake Smith into the bus rate, which Jake Smith, based on the time he played, out of here in two two years or less, with no medical, just transfer, um, Jake Smith factored into that bus rate. And we're not counting JUCO guys in the study, although I need to go back and recalibrate and figure out JUCO guys because it's yeah. just yeah. Change the, the game. numbers are going to be – it's mm-hmm. going to – the numbers are going to be weird. So you take out the JUCO guys. You take out the three guys in that class who were medical, medical hardships, the Gabriel Floyd, uh, Peter Pudgy, and Darian Brown. You're left with 19 high school signees. And, Matt, of the 19, if we include Jake Smith, how many count toward the bus rate? Ten. I'll read them off real quick. You got Jake Smith, Tyler Johnson, then you had Owens, Kenyatta Watson, Tillman, Shepard, Brew McCoy, Kennedy Lewis, Marcus Caldwell and then Myron Warren's the tenth guy, and that's not to mention, like you said, this class oddly had three medical hardships, which don't necessarily go in your bus tray. But if we're talking about tangible on the field players, that's thirteen players you got nothing out of out of the twenty two. If you throw out the medical guys, it's still ten of nineteen to where like we went through in the good college contributors in. Possible NFL guys would be Whittington, like maybe your Rojo, and then you have contributors in Washington, Benda, Lebrock, and Hookfin, and Adamora. And outside of that, you had those seven guys you could say you got something quality out of, and the rest, that's 22. But even, even Lebrock hasn't, hasn't played because of injuries. Hook I don't know Finn. if we're ever going to see Isaiah Hookfin play yeah. again. Uh, and then even your Juco guys that year. Like, of the three JUCO guys you took, Jawan Mitchell, Caleb Johnson, and Willie Tyler, you got nothing out of two of those guys. Mm-hmm. So just doing it the, the traditional way, mm. you're over, you're closing in on a 53% bust rate. That might be the all-time record now. Yeah, I think is. that would surpass 13. Especially if you were to add in the medical guys that you got nothing out of on top of it, so... Yeah, that's, that's just. That, I mean, and it's one of those carryover classes. You brought it up when we when you listed the names out. I wrote them down, and then 
I was like, it's one of those holdover classes, and you were like just like 13, and you look at that, and it comes with the territory where you got players left from the previous guy that then you're on campus for about a year. This throw-in COVID being that year, and then your coach that brought you there is gone, and then you're trying to fit in and then also have the new guy like your skill set, and it's tough to find. In Texas, you got about six guys. You can almost count them on one hand. Actually, you can with Whittington, Washington, Benda, Rojo, and if you want to give Lee Brock and Hookfin. That's about it. I, w- I would count Crazy. two of those guys that you can really depend on in 2022. Two. Yeah. Well, Whittington and Rojo. That's why you got the transfer portal now, and you also got name, image, and likeness can help you somewhat recover uh, in terms of roster You're right building. about that. But those, man, it's, it's yeah, uh, that's, that's, de- that's, decim- that's, that's, to me, that's debilitating mm-hmm. and devastating to your recruiting and also to your overall roster build. S show is what I would call it, but yeah, man. You, you put it more eloquently than I did, Rod. No, uh, and I don't know it either. And we had a good football discussion, and I don't want to leave the studio aggravated thinking about bus rates. So let's just go ahead and end it right there. Mm. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. (laughs) Rod, be appreciative of the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019-1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. and Mike Harge each and every weekday on Bald on Life from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yeah, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7. Anywhere you get your podcast, that's Horns 247. No spaces, no dashes. Hit that follow button. Get every episode of the Flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz whenever it drops Tuesday afternoons. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.